Hey, sports fans. Welcome to Greg Medford Show. It's Greg. We're coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. In our continuing, ongoing effort to pick up the free and independent press musket, the Minuteman of the modern age, I'm too old, fat, and ugly to kick down doors and shoot bad guys anymore for our country. No one would send me anywhere because I would get there and I would need to find out who my local PPO provider is and I have to go see my general practitioner and Make sure I have the appropriate medication for breathing the air, dealing with the pollen in the local, the locale. I would kick in my first door and I'd need my orthopod to give me a cortisone shot. I would, uh, I would shoot my first bad guy and I just, I guess I would shrug and they would think there was something broken inside of me. Since we can't do that anymore, we're not completely obsolete. What is that movie with, um, Jim Carrey and the Animals. What's that movie, Bobby? Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura, that's right. <laughs> See what it says uh, about old people. They, although slow and dangerous, they can be useful. Remember when that old lady was helping him with this stuff? I said, I can be useful. Here's what I'll do. I pick up the free and independent press musket of the modern age. So... Under the guise of that, we've been doing this exercise for the last year or so as citizens kind of spool up their interest and dive into the races to run and be in the ruling class. What's interesting is that these debates, these discussions that we're having here in Arizona, they're germane to where you are. So if you're in Nebraska and you're a knife nut and you happen to have stumbled across my podcast... Thanks for being here. Uh, and these conversations are going on in Nebraska, and they're going on everywhere. You know, there's fundamentally about 10 issues that are kind of hot issues of the day. And the Republicans all seem to fall down on one side of them, and the Democrats seem to fall down on the other side. But what we find out after a little discussion, there's a hell of a lot more nuance. We're going to talk a little bit about some of that nuance with abortion today, believe it or not, because it's relevant and uh, we're going to talk about some other things. So welcome to the show. We want to welcome Abraham, and I want to say uh, Ham- Hamaday? That's right. Did I say it right? He did. Okay. It's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a little coaching. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, is it Hamada? <laughs> no, it's Hamaday. I'm like, oh, okay, really? It's Hamaday? <laughs> uh, where are you people from? Because everybody in Winslow who's watching the show is like, who's that Arab guy? He's <laughs> out there talking with me, Abraham. I love it. I love traveling rural Arizona, but actually, my pa- my family came here from Syria and Lebanon thirty some odd years ago. Okay, all right, cool. And uh, what do you folks do? So now they're retired, but how they you know total American dream story. So we actually, I was born in Chicago, unfortunately, and uh, how we ended up in Arizona is kind of funny. So you know, my dad had no education, no money, but he randomly won the lottery. Uh, it was like fifty thousand bucks. It wasn't life changing, and that included a stay at the Scottsdale Princess Resort in the mid nineties. Oh my god, that's and awesome! So they got off the flight in January, and they looked at each other and they said, "Wow." 
we found the Middle East of America. <laughs> so oh my he, God. easiest decision they ever made. So I grew up actually in Cave Creek, North Scottsdale area, and I've been here since I was five years old. You grew up in Cave Creek? I did. Yeah. Where up there? Did you go to Cactus Shadows? I did. Oh my God, that's where my daughter goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where, where, where up in Cave Creek-ish? I was like dynamite in Scottsdale. Oh my God. I, I just sold my house at 60th Street in Dynamite. Oh, so we're, like, <laughs> we're practically neighbors. Oh yeah. Where do your parents live? Same place? No, they're in Kirland now. They're in Kirland? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Cool. I just, uh, you know where the boulders is, right? Yeah. I'm just right across from the boulders. It's beautiful. I like it. Oh, yeah. And you have a buffalo chip out there. <laughs> yeah, I can actually hear those guys at night. And, you know, I'll go down there and two-step with some of the little country girls, twirl them around, and then go back to my house and hide. <laughs> well, um, high school, where'd you go to college? Arizona State University for undergrad, and then the University of Arizona College of Law for law school. So it's a little bit of a turncoat. So let me ask you something. How does a kid born in Chicago come here? Are your parents conservative? Yes. All right. How'd you, you know, a lot of people are going to want to know this about, I think this is the most important, okay, because we confront bias, we confront racism, we confront prejudice. Right. Everybody does, right? And um, have you ever encountered that as a second generation immigrant with uh, dark skin? And I mean, it, you blend in and everybody on, from 20 feet away thinks you're a Mexican guy. Uh, not, I haven't really been confronted. I mean, I think, you know, the media and the, the liberals that want to make it seem like this is the only thing people right. focus about. And it's not true. You know, how I got involved in politics is kind of interesting. It was way back in 2007 on the Ron Paul campaign. So I was a big Ron Paul supporter back in the day. And, you know, that's where my you know, ultimate ideology came from was that liberty movement. And, you know, I've, I've worked in the conservative circles, but no, I've never experienced anything like that. Well, you know, I ask because I, I've asked, I've had some black guys on my show and I asked them the same question and I've had two of them say, you know, not actually really ever. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, hold on a second. <laughs> and like, well, maybe, th maybe someone kind of followed me around an apartment, a department store one time. I mean, like some very anecdotal but yeah. nothing direct. And I was kind of like, God, oh, you got to be kidding me. No, and you know what? I've traveled the world. Mm -hmm. The rest of the world is racist. I mean, I, I've been to Japan. Right. Uh, I've been. I, I was deployed to Saudi Arabia. You know, the rest of the world, they're, they're much more homogenous. Uh, the United States is the biggest melting pot. And it's very evident. So I love the military because, you know, I'm in the Army Reserve. But we all wear that same uniform. We have that American flag on our right shoulder sleeve. So... No, that's what it is. It's e pluribus unum, out of many one. That's what we've developed. And as long as we have that same driving force, which is the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, that's what made our country great. And we accept everybody. Talk to me about um, you, you get out of law school. Did you find the bent at U of A to be pretty left of center? Yeah, all colleges generally, you know, an, an undergrad, actually, I had a conservative law professor. Um, that was, you know, pretty instrumental to me as well. But every university was you know, left, but now it's different, Craig. And I think you know it and I know it. I mean, they're going after children in elementary schools. It's much different than it used to be. You know, before we used to accept the fact, oh, you go to college to become a liberal or whatever. And we just right. like laughed it off. And then when you get out and get a job, you'll yeah. be a conservative. Again. Right. But now they're going after, you know, kids, right? Yeah. It's much more insidious than we ever imagined, making them question race and gender and everything like that. <clears throat> it's funny you bring it up because it's one of my, uh, it's one of kind of my hot button items. Hmm. Um, I'm not a helicopter parent. I let my kids get banged up when they were growing up. I'm not a, oh my God, we got to pull over. Your seatbelt came off. 
I'm like, yeah, get your seatbelt. Like, oh, I can't. It's tied up. Okay, well, when we get to the grocery store in a minute, but you know, it'll it'll be all right. Um, I'm a little more old fashioned, and I feel like most of the public debate is whack a mole. It is these subordinate issues that we waste time on while we ruin our nation. Mm-hmm. And we're having all these mini battles. Let's talk about abortion just for a second. We're not going to get into the meat of abortion, but let's talk about it's turned into an issue all of a sudden in a big way, right? Um, And it could be a big issue. I mean, you're running. Tell us what you're running for. I'm running for Arizona Attorney General. Okay. So this is a big deal, and it's directly on the hood of your campaign. Right. You know, it may not have splattered on your windshield yet, or maybe it is. (laughs) Um, this campaign, th- this this thing could get bounced back to the states. It's a big damn deal, right? Um, and it it hasn't been a big deal for a long time because it's been so entrenched and untouchable. Uh, it's a phony ass decision predicated upon hoax. Um, it was a massive overreach that started the politicization of the of the highest court in the land. It was the seminal case yes. where the Supreme Court began to legislate outside the letter of the law. It was really clear um, they 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 steps outside the Tenth Amendment there clearly. That's exactly right. And you know what you're saying? I just watched a clip of Ruth Bader Ginsburg of all people say the exact same thing you said, where they thought Roe v. Wade was flawed. Right. Right. Even even her, you know, a liberal justice. And, and if you're so right, we have a process for that. It's called bicameral legislation, and the White House sign a fucking law. Exactly. You know, they've got both sides. They've got the House and the Senate pass a law you're so worried about it quit burning buildings sure just pass you've got the house the senate and the white house pass the law All right well that wouldn't even you know pass constitutional muster i don't think this is up to the states and i think that's ultimately what the you know, overturn of roe v wade's gonna show but that would block the supreme court's opinions on itself exactly like you know the reason it had to be done at the court is because they couldn't muster the the the, uh they couldn't they couldn't get it done through the bicameral legislation and they and they still couldn't so the real question is the reason they want this the real reason is because the weights of their arguments as usual don't pan out when we all sit down and talk about them reasonably so you um you get out of law school and you go right in the military I did ROTC while I was in law school, actually, so okay. I was sleep deprived. <laughs> right, help pay help pay for school a little bit. Did the army it, help it you? It did shockingly. I got paid going to law school, but yeah, so I commissioned as an <clears> intelligence <throat> officer and graduated law school, and so in the U.S. Army Reserves, I'm captain and intelligence officer, and then um, became a prosecutor up here in Maricopa County. How long have you been a prosecutor for? I just resigned to run, but I was a prosecutor for four years. And how old are you? I am 31 on Sunday. So 31, just old enough to run for Senate, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, knocks on young people going into politics. Mm -hmm. They want their vote, but they don't want them involved. They think they don't know enough yet. Yeah, that's stupid, and I'll tell you why. Of course it is. Look who just set the whole country free by removing those mask mandates on the planes. It was a 35-year-old Trump-appointed federal judge, and she was appointed at 33 years old. And she's the only one who had that courage after these years of this nonsense. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what I'm, you know, it's one of the things that, it's one of the reasons I'm doing the show. It's Mm. one of the reasons I'm bringing people on. I am looking, I'm looking for folks. I want to tell you a quick story. I had a friend in the customs and border patrol and he was he wouldn't wear a mask or get vaccinated 
and his supervisors were going crazy about it and his coworkers were going crazy and his opinion his opinion was he's like fuck these guys they'll never have the balls to actually fire me for cause good luck and it'll take them three years to figure it out and by the time they do this will all be over mm-hmm. and that's what happened yep um i am i have the same discussion with teachers you know i'm like listen stop telling me about you're they're not gonna fire you yeah be awesome challenge them with awesomeness break the rules it's okay they're not gonna fire you because you're following the rules and the, and you're failing so break the rules who cares um i want the same thing from my elected officials yeah i want them to be kind of gangsters i want them to be um uh i want them to push the edge everywhere in the direction of right and and push the edge hard and i think that's exactly why i've decided to run greg i mean if you saw march 2020 was so pivotal to me when you had the government shutting down churches schools small businesses our loved ones dying alone at the hospital I was looking around for some leadership. I, it seemed like everything was right was wrong. And this whole two weeks to slow the spread, that was the biggest bullshit that we, yeah, we knew. Absolutely. I mean, if you looked at, I'm, the, I'm a Milton Friedman fan. And oh. the great quote from him, it says, you know, what is the the most permanent program is a temporary government solution. Right. right. So, and that's exactly what I saw. I mean, it was, and... I was just looking for somebody with a backbone. I mean, look, we just had just three weeks ago, last month, Governor Doug Ducey finally ended this emergency executive order. That is a shame. And quite frankly, I think our founding fathers would be ashamed of us for what we've tolerated and put up with over the past two years. Absolutely. And I was at Scottsdale Fashion Square and the George Floyd BLM riots were happening. Oh, yeah. That was a travesty. And you see our politicians changing their Facebook profiles to a black square and they threw our law enforcement under the bus. And you know, I'm in the military. I get thanked for my military service all the time. But we need to be thanking our law enforcement officers who have to go to the streets of war every single day, and they don't have the backing of their city council or the city mayors. And unbelievable. No, I mean everything. It, we're being we're at war right now, Greg. I truly believe it, and we're being ambushed every single day. I mean, every week there's something new. Now we have to go against Disney. I mean, Disney's getting involved, and this is where they're attacking our our culture so systematically and so quickly. And this is where I tell folks. I mean. This November, I know every politician says, oh, this election matters most. I think we all know it in our gut that what happens this November will determine our country's future for the next century. I think one of the most important things we do is, uh, you know, our current attorney general, he hasn't been a baller enough. He's been waiting for perfect cases. Yeah, right. You know, I'm like, hey, listen, start rounding some people up on yep. the news and asking questions. Yes. Start doing some public hearings. Yes. Like, we know if Dinesh D'Souza can put a movie together that peels back the layer of the onion, if you if people have what's that movie called? Is it Two Thousand Mules? Yeah. Did you have you watched it? I watched it. Yes. What, what, what's your takeaway? You're it's how disappointing that we have to re- rely on a documentary filmmaker to expose the fraud and the criminality that went on in the 2020 election. And <laughs> how the Arizona Senate can have done what they've done. They did a baller move to do a full recount and all this. How we could do all of that and not have an outcome is we should have pushed the Constitution. We should have forced a constitutional crisis. Yeah. Because it's only a crisis to the people who want the status quo. Exactly. And it's not a crisis to us. And you're so right about Republican. And this is what I tell people. You know, we're in this mess as a country, not only because of the radical left, but also because of the weak Republicans. Because of the weak Republicans, yeah. yeah. And look at, I mean, Bush v. Gore. That was decided at the Supreme Court. You know, that was a novel. That was a new thing to do. You know, Republicans have lost that fight. And we've lost that... (coughs) 
um, energy. And, you know, I, too often what I hate is, you know, that's not the way it's been done. I hated that in the army, by oh, the yeah. way. It's I hate the worst word. I never want to hear those words. Yeah, the way it was done was called slavery <laughs> up until 1865. <laughs> so maybe we could just do it anew. Right. How's that? Right. It's, it's and so this is what youth brings to the table. Different perspective. Well, not only that, but it can be done a different way. Because a lot of times the tail's wagging a dog yeah. with 65-year-olds. Right. And it is. Because you hear it in their voice. You hear it in their thinking. No. Old, clunky, and right. they're not being... They're not being they you, cite old case. I mean, if that's the way Roe v. Wade, you know, oh, that's not the way. That, what happened was a state challenged it, and now they're going to win. That's what you. And this is what the left does very well at. Actually, Republicans are just so weak, and they've been so. I think Donald Trump. What the best thing he did was taught Republicans how to fight. You know, he taught us how to fight. So when you're talking about the election fraud of 2020, you know, I've been talking about this for a long time because I voted overseas on my army deployment to Saudi Arabia. Over there, I was actually, I had to print out my ballot from a computer, fill it out, take a photo of it with my phone, and then email it to the county recorder's office. Does anybody think that Adrian mm -hmm. Fontes did the right thing and actually transferred it to a real ballot? Why? And then it got counted? And then when I got back here, I wish I brought it with me. It's in my car. I always bring it with me. I'm a good prosecutor. I got back here, and I had three mail-in ballots at my house, Greg. And for them to say that 2020, and I bring it always with me because people need to see it. So I think it's hyperbole. Everyone thinks it's they, hyperbole. They, they do. And then that 2000 Mules document. I mean, you see, I'm a prosecutor. You don't, you have these gloves. That it's smoking wearing. gun. Oh, they have gloves on. And then they removed the gloves. It wasn't because of COVID. Because they removed the gloves. And it's for evidence purposes. So this is, and it makes Arizona look bad. You know, it's embarrassing. You have Maricopa County. You have down in Yuma. I mean, there is so much fraud. And, we, and then, so how did it happen? Because we're a pretty conservative state. It happens incrementally. And that's from, you know, we've moved into mail and bat. We got comfortable. You know, being a citizen, it, there's a there's a sacrifice with it. There's a civic duty. I'm sure you've been to jury duty before. You know, there's, act, there's a requirement that you must go to jury duty. And yet we've made it so convenient and so easy to vote that it's like voting for your next American Idol star, right? We've robbed us Americans as voting in person and seeing your neighbor and actually being through the process of it at all. So... I think there's a big problem with the mail-in ballots right now. I think yeah. we need to start reforming. Have we changed that in Arizona yet? Do you know? No. So there, there's still going to be a shit ton of mail-in ballots. Not just that. They haven't changed the mail drop boxes, which are the biggest problem that I see. And the movie highlights it. I mean, you have ballot stuffers. You mean George Soros, and they know what they're doing. They've yeah. been involved in secretaries of states races, AG races, DA races. And I've got the great honor, by the way. So I got in this race last November. But George Soros and the ADL listed me as one of the most dangerous candidates running for office. Which you know, Why? I th it's probably because I speak my mind on this. And I shine a light into the darkness that they want to cover up. Yeah. So this is where we're going to push back. And I, I, you know, I'm scratching my head wondering, though, how Arizona, this, this, who actually is doing the cheating here in Arizona? Because it's all citizen volunteers that show up to the voting stations, right? Yeah, that's so right. So they're cheating. Who's organizing it? It's got to be some sort of racketeering, yeah. um, something that Rico could go after. Exactly. So there's clearly big money involved. Clearly Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Zuckerberg came yeah. in with, I don't know, like $80 million or something in Arizona alone, right? Yeah, I think it was like almost a billion throughout the country. But Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that's why it was $800 million or something mm -hmm. nationwide, right? So, and that's under the McCain-Feingold umbrella. That was the uh, equal speech. Is it under that? Is that was the guys that PACs were able to take unlimited money now? Um, I think that was the Citizens United decision. Um, it limited 
individuals or still limited, but corporations are people now too, right? So then they can donate unlimited money to PACs. Right. But that was McCain-Feingold that allowed that part, right, to the PACs? Yeah, the McCain-Feingold from 2000, a long time. Crazy. Right. Because I remember that was supposed to be cleaning up elections yeah. and it, it dirtied them up more than anything we've well, ever seen. And they used the, so Zuckerberg didn't donate it through Facebook. He donated through his money through a nonprofit. And that's how they go around it. Um, <laughs> so they use the nonprofits. Just same with George Soros. I mean, yeah. it's Open Societies Foundation. It's a nonprofit. It doesn't mean anything. Right. It's just a circumventing the yeah. technicalities yeah. of it. They, they, the left knows how to win. Republicans play nice. And that's going to change this November. Well, it, you know, if there's anything that, you know, there's so much. I, I voted for Trump over very simple reasons. I thought he was going to protect the Supreme Court, and I didn't want to lose the court. Mm. And then he and he and and I thought he was just. I thought he was a way to just flip, stick it to the man. Yeah. I was like, God, man, he's one of us. He's just a hot dog eating, wants to make some money and get by. And not only that, you know, like when I was in the Middle East, we got our orders to return home, and there were no airplanes. <laughs> okay. Trump shuttle came and got us. Really, I came off. I I just looked at a picture the other day. I had a guy in who's running for Congress, and I was reading his son's book. And his son says, oh, "Yeah, my dad used to. He brought us to Westover Air Force Base one time to welcome all these soldiers home from the Gulf War." And I was like, "Oh, that only happened one time that I know about, and I was there, and it was one." And I so I sent him a picture. I goes, "Did it look like this?" And he goes, "Yeah," and it was Trump shuttle. I was kind of cracking up about it. There was so much about him that I found out that I just loved. I mean, I adored the guy. Yeah. And, you know, his uh, people hate his speaking style. Um, they, they hate that he say, was, says what's on his mind. And it's what I've always, the opposite of what I've always hated about politicians. They don't speak their mind. Everything sounds like a prepared speech and you never really know what they think. Right. It's usually some George Washington University's public policy, um, <laughs> you know, uh, a PhD candidate who's writing position papers in the West Wing, you know. No, that's why my Twitter bothers a lot of people. So if you don't follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at a at Abraham Hamaday. Um, and and Hamaday, it's H A M A D E H. That's right. Um, and so I, that's every, you're so right about all Republicans are running for office. They're saying the same things: border security, election integrity, law and order, generally the state inflation, blah blah blah. Right. And how I tell people to vet candidates, like, go with your gut, at, vet them, ask them the hard questions, see how they respond quick on their feet, see what they actually believe, you know, because I think it's pretty easy. I think we have a good gauge of character. We have a pretty good gauge of, you know, what uh, how they're actually going to stand once they're in office. So I, I'm not going to, I don't want to be tricked ever again. COVID lockdowns were so horrifying to me yeah. and, and I, they were insidious it's and so and it made no sense i mean remember the times where you had patriots who were protesting against them and then they were you know the media was going after them oh they're violating orders and then you had the blm and they said oh but black health is public health so it's okay to riot and burn and nothing made sense and we had to call it the hypocrisy of the media just like Hillary Clinton herself, I posted a video of it, a resurfaced video from 2019 of her saying that the 2016 election was stolen from her, right. you know, and she's not silenced on Twitter, unlike right. the president, uh, Trump. So the hypocrisy, the media, it, they basically become the propaganda arm of the radical left. So let me ask you, so let's say I was running for attorney general of Arizona. Mm -hmm. um, would you go after the heads of news organizations here and prosecute them for their tax status would you is there things are there things you can do to just mess with them and get their attention yeah because i know ron DeSantis did it with disney yeah. 
when he yanked their little ex- exemption they had cut out for themselves, and now they have they're going to have to form a municipality right. to get permits and have inspectors come. I mean, can you imagine doing all the building? Like, I've always wondered how do they get how do they get all the inspectors? They must have they didn't have any. Yeah, it's all themselves. And now we're going on offense, and we're going to talk about the media. Look at the thank God for the Canadian truckers who set the whole world free. But you saw what the media did. Right. They, they were trying to dox people if they donated 50 bucks to the Canadian Unbelievable. truckers. Unbelievable. So what are you, you going to do you, as you a, can, attorney general? You can go after the media and that. I mean, doxing, I mean, you can go after them for doxing people. That's what I would do as attorney general. But actually what we did pretty successfully is, remember GoFundMe, when mm-hmm. you donated money to them, they were going to move that money and put it to radical leftist organizations until state AGs got involved and said, no, 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 no. That's a consumer fraud. And they were going to start going after them. So oh, because they, they debate the Exactly. So then, so what happened was now they refunded that money. Thank God. But that's where AGs are so much more powerful than they used to ever be. I mean, we're talking about election integrity and you're talking about the border. I mean, the border here in Arizona, we're on the front lines of it right now. And to sit back and say, oh, this is a federal government problem. You know, federal government controls immigration law. But what's happening at the border, this is an invasion. Well, well, let me ask you a question. Let's say you're I mean, I really think that we've got kind of three big positions in Arizona. Obviously, governor, secretary of state, uh, since we don't have a lieutenant governor, right, and uh, attorney general. That's right. As attorney general, can you sue the president of the United States? All the time. That's what, right. I mean, Brnovich has been doing that. I mean, it seems like we need to sue Mayorkas, and we need yes. to sue people for their dereliction of duty. Right. In a In a... Big and substantial way. Right. I And I think state AGs are banding together really well right now to start going on offense. Because if you actually think about it, I met with former Virginia Attorney General. You probably remember him, Ken Cuccinelli. Mm-hmm. He was a really good Attorney General for Virginia. So I met with him a few months ago, and he's the one who talked about this invasion, right? And the states have the war powers, Article 1, Section 10 of the U.S. Constitution. And that's where, you know— you know, I, I, have my, I have my criticism of Mark Brnovich, but I will give him credit for saying that what's going down at the border is an invasion. Unfortunately, we just, you know, have a weak Republican who hasn't done anything about it right. uh, mm-hmm. as a governor. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we need to do now, though, from 2009 to 2017, Greg, Republican AG sued Obama 80 times. When Donald Trump took office in his first year, Democratic AG sued him over 90 times in his first year. So that's where we talk about how Democrats play aggressive, right? And that's why they're winning so much. And this is where I like, you're right. We got to try. Even if you fail, at least you try, right? I mean, you're pushing the boundaries a little bit. And that's where I intend to be a very aggressive AG. And believe me, you know, they're going to, the Biden DOJ is going to have to create a separate Arizona office because we're going to be suing the hell out of them. Like, uh, like, you know, it'd be funny if I was the attorney general of Arizona right now, I'd actually be suing Hunter Biden. (laughs) <laughs> I would be jamming him up. Now, you know, listen, I know lawsuits are, you know, it's a flip of a coin. And there's a lot of stuff at play when right. you get there. And all lawyers will tell you, we got a shot at this until it gets close. And then they go, hey, we got a <laughs> shot. And, you know, you paid. But, you know, they, but they tell you, you got a really shot until you paid. And right. that's like, okay, well, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So uh, I would go after Hunter Biden. I would go after the family because it is clear that there is corruption at the highest yeah. level in the families of our government. Are you covering your face right now from the cameras because I'm getting on uh, ground that gets you in trouble? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is he doing one of these? He's got one of these things going. He's like, where, I don't mean that. Where did I go, Will? <laughs> no, but I think you're the Hunter Biden story, if you actually look at it, when you talk about the, the 2020 election being so corrupt, rotten, and rigged to the core— 
That was in it. They banned the New York Post, which is one of the oldest newspapers in the country who, I mean, it was good reporting. Remember how many intelligence officials came out and said, this is Russian disinformation? And James and now, Clapper and yeah, all those guys. And now they want to create a DHS, Department of Homeland Security Disinformation Board. How could we ever trust the government with this? And they were the same people who've been disinforming. Uh, they're the biggest propaganda. I mean, the U.S. government has always been a propaganda machine. So this is where, I mean, they, they suppress the Hunter Biden story, which is exceptionally damaging. I mean, here you have Donald Trump's children making peace in the Middle East. Yeah, Jared right. Kushner. He's they, over there negotiating oh treaties right. to bring Literally. Israel. And with I mean, the Abraham Accords, which was not named after me. Right. But, I mean, he had them making peace with the UAE and Israel, Bahrain. I mean, he would get a Nobel Peace Prize. He, if he got a second term, if I mean, he did get a second term. He won. Um, if he'd have gotten the second term mm. and this what this is the biggest travesty I've ever seen. Now, listen, I've lost half the adult election, half the elections of my adult life we've lost. Right. Because you don't win all the time. Right. Totally okay with it. But this, this sticks in my cross something fierce. Well, I think 2024 will be the greatest American comeback. It'll be fascinating. And what's so sad to me is these American self-loathing, reverse racist, apologist, Marxist, yeah. anti-American sons of bitches. The, you know, the Middle East has been a, a challenging place for a hundred years. Right. And I know I, I was watching it happen. And I know you must've been watching this cause your, your blood is from there Yeah, to see it coming together. <laughs> I saw it on the precipice of breaking old alliances and changing the place. It's hap. I mean, Saudi Arabia. I mean, the women are driving. They don't wear burqas. I mean, it's it's really progressing, shockingly. And I credit that to Donald Trump. That was Donald Trump's first foreign country he visited as president. Yeah. And Saudi Arabia is complicated. Fifteen out of the yeah. nineteen hijackers were Saudis, right? Yeah. I mean, they've been exporting terrorism for a long time. But Donald Trump, you know, he, you negotiated with them. And you're so right about this whole. They, the the radical left truly hates us, and what yeah. what they do, they're trying to erase our history in order to reshape the future. But you look at when I come when I got back here in September of 2021, so not that long ago. I mean, here I am watching the NFL, and they were, there's a black national anthem. Oh, they're trying to divide us up by race yeah. and by every single you know way imaginable. And they're getting these sucker athletes to go along with oh. it. So I've completely boycotted all sports. I won't watch it all. I will not be lectured to by a bunch of privileged upper class yeah. multimillionaire players right. telling me how awful this place is. Right. I just refuse. Right. And I say, go serve and get around the world. How yes. dare you get outside of the. Hyatt Regency when you travel. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. See the world. Let and, me tell me how awful it is. And that's what I love about the military is that we all wear that American flag and, you know, we're, it's the e pluribus unum, right? And what they're doing is dividing us so yeah. quickly. And, you know, I tell people, you know, the radical left are ultimately not scary people. They don't even know what gender they are. So you just have to have a right. backbone to actually no, no, stand They're up. not serious people. No. And I, I actually make fun of them and I mock them when I'm out public speaking. And it's because, it's, you know, their ideas are the musings of a seven-year-old. Right. And if you actually take their policies too seriously, you almost elevate them. So right. you have to mock them and uh, call them out on it. I mean, this, uh, the, you know, you're seeing what's going on about this gender, you know, wh whatever it is. They don't they want to make its fluidity. And, you know, it's, it's so bizarre. And the rest of the world's watching it. It's mental illness. Oh, yeah. It's mental illness. And you can see it. With their crazy hair and their crazy faces. These are people you don't take seriously. If they came in for a job interview, 
not considered. I mean, have you been to a university lately? I was up at Northern Arizona University and I walked the campus. I was floored. How many colors that I saw the people's hair and then they were, you know, the it, I didn't honestly I didn't know what gender some of these people were. I mean, it is it's so sickening what's happened. It's so quickly. I mean, I'm not that far removed from college as my opponents like to point right, out. Right. But you, the gender preferred pronouns that is a new concept. You know, it's a way of abusing someone you don't want to listen to. Oh yeah. Yes. It, oh, I don't. You you didn't call me Jim Jir G. But you know, when you're talking about how what they do right they're they even if they try to win through the law the legal system they, they'll go around it just like they're going out to supreme court justice's right. house because right. they throw tantrums they're doing gangster stuff they, right now they, so this is what the mob they, does exactly. to intimidate a judge exactly this you know is, you you go over and take a picture uh sitting at school yep. in at with the fence behind you with their daughter yep. in the background yes. you take a selfie and send it to them and say, make sure you vote the right way. This is mob rule, and this is what they're doing at our schools here in Scottsdale. You saw what the Scottsdale school board president did by, you know, they're following around uh, parents who spoke at a school board meetings. And you know what the Biden DOJ did? Classified those parents as domestic terrorists for speaking out against critical race theory. God forbid they say anything against people who firebomb a building, that's that, that a pro-life uh, building, right? Oh, yeah, or the BLM riots, so, remember? So let's say that sometime in the next year, Hopefully the Supreme Court has a backbone. First of all, do you think they're going to find out who the leaker was? Or do you think they already know and they're just not saying? I think they already know. I think there's a there's probably a high likelihood that they know who it is. But, yeah. they, I mean... I mean, it's only probably one of 12 people. That's the thing about this. There's only something like... There's less than 40 people who are... You know, there's the, the justices. They've yeah. got four clerks. Right. A couple of secretaries who are not generally privileged right. to the discreet musings between the justices. Sure. It's a very small circle. And, you know, you could probably really quickly find out watching, just look at the social media of four of them and you go, I, I, I got a yeah. good idea. It's one of these three. I think Twitter had a pretty good idea of who it was, actually. they they're... Who did they say? Who did they, who did Twitter muse that it was? Um, well, I'm careful because I don't want to be like them. And, you know, I think we need evidence. But there is very good evidence that they drew that is most likely this person with their friends, that reporter who leaked it out. And they were very into um, abortion rights. And, yeah. you know, so I think it was a clerk for Sotomayor who they suspected. And it wouldn't surprise me because Sotomayor, she's about as smart as a back, box of hammers. I know. And, and then the people supporting her, you know, I don't know how they're propping her up. She's the most unqualified person I've ever seen. This current girl that they put in, uh, the new gal. Mm hmm um, not unqualified, clearly qualified, well-spoken, lovely family, lovely American activist, wrong-headed person, but qualified. Uh, yeah, sure. There, I mean, to be a judge, you're generally going to be pretty smart, yeah, right? Um, yeah. But so do we are not so much. <laughs> not, I mean, I've read some of her stuff. I'm like, what? But if you look at it, just, you know, now it's all about women's rights. Just two months ago, they didn't know what a woman was. You know, so yeah. this is what they constantly gaslight us. And this is where I tell people we're being ambushed every single day by the radical left. And we got to fight like hell and never quit. And that's where Ron DeSantis, so I'm a big, I'm really proud of him. I mean, this, if you expect to solve our problems by sending folks to DC, you know, that that's foolish. DC is more of a defensive role right now. Yeah. You know, the states are going to be the ones that save our country. Make no mistake. The states are the ones that created the federal government. People have asked me about it. Like, would you think Ron DeSantis will run? I go, no. First of all, he's going to let Trump go because nobody wants to go up the Trump machine. Right. Second of all, 
he has a more powerful position and he doesn't have to fight Washington. I mean, have you seen, look at what he's, he made Florida, you know, bright red. You know, it used to be purple state by sticking to his convictions. He's up 23% against Charlie Chris, the former Republican governor, actually, of all things. I mean, that's where Florida was in a very similar spot to Arizona. And that's where I'm really excited this year. When we take when we take control, when we when we get elected, you know, we have a good governor, we have a good secretary of state, we have a good attorney general, we got the good legislature. And you know, when I'm in there as attorney general, we're going to go on offense. I think we're going to show Arizona, Arizona's ability. You know, we've got Turning Point out here. We have Goldwater Institute. We have Alliance Defending Freedom. Oh, yeah. We've got a lot of who, good. Who do you think? Uh, do, you, do you pick a horse for governor or you keep, keep your mouth quiet? I, I have it? to keep my mouth quiet, but generally I like, who you know, people who Trump endorses generally. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, let's talk about, uh, I guess, two different things. First of all, what do you, have you sat down and put together like, Hey, the day I'm, I, you know, I always put together when I start a new, new endeavors, I put together kind of a 30, 60, 90 day plan. Sure. Um, have you put together a, a little bit of plan? Like, what do you do when you hit the ground running that, when you're elected? Yeah. I, well, it's all, and I tell folks, plans are great until, you know, like, you know, when you're downrange and the first shot's fired, right? Sure. And they go out that because nobody could have been predicted But, but you got to start somewhere. Right. I mean, for me, election integrity is going to be the biggest crucial thing I do when I take office because we need to not only prosecute the crimes of 2020, which you know, everybody says, oh, you have to move on from it. No. True. I'm a prosecutor. You prosecute crimes that were committed. Yeah. But what we got to do beyond that is go after and the, the, the fraud of 2020. We have to protect and secure the 2024 election. So when Donald Trump runs and wins again, everyone will know it's legitimate. What about, um, I'm really concerned about all of the California people, they bust in to man polling stations here in Arizona. Yeah, and I think it's going to start being rolled back. And I mean, Zuck, Zuck Bucks are now banned here in Arizona. So, I mean, there's there's a lot at stake right now. So you're talking about where we focus on. I think the border is also huge. I mean, you know. What can you do as a state AG? Well, I think what we, as attorney general, what I want to do is classify it as an invasion and use the State War Powers Act. But I can't do it alone. We need a good governor to actually follow through with it. And at that point. Well, I think if Kerry or Matt get elected, either one of them would drop the hammer in that direction. And I think we need to, we need to have, the federal government's not going to solve our problems, right? They, they have control of immigration law, but we can take control of our borders. So what I intend to do is classify the cartels as a terrorist organization. And you do that, there's a purpose behind it. I mean, the current state law says that we're using the U.S. Department of State definition of terrorism. Let me tell you, when I, the Afghan Taliban was not listed as a terrorist organization until January 2021. When Joe Biden took office, he delisted the Yemen Houthi terrorists as a terrorist organization. Those are the same ones who are firing missiles at us when I was in Saudi Arabia. So we have the ability here in Arizona to determine who the terrorists are. So we classify the cartels as a terrorist organization. Once we start prosecuting them, you know, for crimes, drug smuggling, human smuggling, you, they have enhanced sentencing guidelines now that they get on it. So we have to start classifying this as a war. I mean, that's what's going down. I mean, these, these cartels, they're former special forces of the Mexican military, many of them. Yeah. How do you get the, you know, look, Arizona with its resources and our resources are limited. Hmm. We can't do anything to shut the border down. We have a $5 billion surplus actually here in Arizona. And, you know, we haven't, we, you know, it's a lot of money that we've got laying around, but I we have about 29 miles of unfinished wall that I think we need to fix. And I think we got to start getting a little tough with, um, you know, there's a, the Indians now have a shadow wolves. I think that just got to prove that maybe some of them can help on, on the border. You know, but some of them, the Indians sometimes are an obstacle with it too, the Native American tribes. Um, so we got to start negotiating also with our with the uh, Sonora 
outside of Mexico too and get with their governor, just like Texas just did. I mean, mm-hmm. they said they were going to make life so difficult for the shipment of goods that they were going to inspect every vehicle. That's what we have to do because it's unfair for four border states to bear the brunt of this invasion that's going on. Right. Well, I'd like to see something going on. Talk to me a little bit about fentanyl and the uh, deaths and the people we see, these goddamn uh, sunken-eyed zombies on every corner in this town. You know, when How I, do we clean this up? When I was a prosecutor, you go down to downtown Phoenix, and that's where my jurisdiction was, actually, downtown Phoenix. You're right. It's like zombie land, and it's actually really sad. And the mental illness has gotten so much worse because of COVID. But you know what's funny is, like, my compassion is spent at this point. Yeah. You know, it's years of this and no one doing anything. It's getting nothing but worse. At some point, you know, everything in this country, this there's only one thing that's needed to fix this country and it's accountability. Yeah. And consequences for actions, right? Which is accountability, right? right? Everything falls under accountability. Listen, if, uh, you know, it's all well and good to have a national teachers union and all of that to protect teachers and teacher, blah, 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 blah. But if their outcomes are poor and they're not held to account, then we have almost a hundred years of declining competency in schools while they get more and more money per pupil. So we have a reverse Outcome to uh, input of effort. Right. How do we, at the state level, insert accountability into the equation? The attorney general, you know, prosecute people. That's that, what I'm saying. Prosecute people who commit crimes, right? And that, that's, that's where i How I'm about s- prosecuting the people who are not doing their job? Right. Because, you know, we've got, like, in my opinion, prosecute the police chief. Yeah. Now, that would create a political war. It's happened. We, I mean, it's happened in the sense that AGs have gone after political figures. I, 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 look, let's just say you snapped your fingers. I'm a lunatic and you put me in the state's attorney general's office. I'd say, first thing first, I'd say, okay, let's sue the police chief. Better than yet, cuff her and bring her to my office. <laughs> um, I, I'd be like, I, I want people to start being ballers. Quit putting up with incompetence right you know while they're goofing around finger painting in feces our town is you know i love this state i love this town. i love this desert i love this arid you know my people are greek and then uh uh, icelandic viking i'm like greek and icelandic viking i love my greek relatives came out and they're like oh this looks like home yeah (laughs) um i love this cactus and rocks and dirt I don't like all these dangerous homeless people everywhere, and they're dangerous. Very dangerous. And when I was talking about the mental illness, I mean, so much of what the the mental ill, when they commit crimes, they're deemed incompetent to stand trial, okay? So the, the lack of accountability. So you know what we do? We send them to the state hospital system, forcibly inject them with medication, have to sign documents. It's a big deal, typically. And then they get released back into the community where they then commit more egregious crimes and it just keeps escalating and a lot of that has to do with getting rid of a lot of the mental health institutions actually so we have nowhere to house them but you're not about the homeless i mean this is so orchestrated by george soros by the way i mean this is where he's got involved in da races there's reasons why san francisco chicago they're these are urban we stopped suck bucks how do we stop soros dollars Right now, I think it's a little difficult. He's an American, you know, he's a dual national. He can't even go to Hungary right now, but uh, I, it's really gonna require people to start pushing back and in, informing the public. I mean, at this point you go, I mean- So you're saying there's nothing we can do? Right now, I'm under federal law as a state AG, it's gonna be very limited. So he's legally cheating and there's nothing we could do. Well, I think you can try to limit some of the dollars being spent yeah. in some ways, right? And yeah. I think at, you know, when he's, dumping million and there's all they're gonna find ways they really do i mean look at tucson 
you know, we're up here in Maricopa County, which is on the cusp of turning blue. But Pima County is run by a bunch of communists down there. And that's why I'm actually going there this afternoon. And I mean, they have a prosecutor down there as George Soros funded. And you go to Tucson, it's a hellhole. And you, Maricopa County has an open county attorney seat. And the reason why George Soros goes after prosecutors, by the way, and wants them in office, because he realized the law is just a piece of paper with text on it. Yeah. Unless it's enforced, right? And that's where he goes, and that's yeah, where if he's... you can't change the law, change the people who exactly. are having to enforce it. Exactly. And you're hearing them right now with the whole Roe v. Wade debate. You know, they're saying, "Oh, we're not going to enforce the law." I mean, th these people are just nuts. And th th this is where we have to have a backbone. And you know, I want that that America. We're dying right now. I don't think this is a like we're looking at us. You know, I was actually really inspired by your speech there earlier today, and I think this is why I love coming to this factory. It's like we still have that ability to save our country. You know, I'm never going to give up on America, and this is where you know George Soros, his time's running out, and I think the radical left they know it, and that's why they're 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 so aggressive lately because they're trying. They're, to... they're a cornered rat. Exactly. Well. Um, let's talk about the issue of the day because this is going to turn. This is turning into something. Now, I don't think uh, the Democrats have a penchant for overreaching, overestimating, and overvaluing every advantage they get. They overplay their hand. Right. I have a tendency to always kind of underplay my hand. I I play what I know I can kill. <laughs> I, I don't get involved in a fight where there's gamble because life is only once. I will get involved where I can destroy. That's why I win the Marine Corps. I like the Marine Corps. It was like full commitment to, you know, it's like, all right, we will destroy what's in our path mm. and doesn't have a peace mission in mind. And it gets foisted upon them and they'll do the job. But there's something about the ethos of, hey, it's time for this. Let's do it. Be Roman. What do we do uh, when, if and when Roe v. Wade is overturned and it ends up back? So this is a, I mean, this is a pivotal issue for you in your campaign, mm -hmm. as much as you may not want to actually answer. Um, as it comes back to the states, and if this happens in the next 18 months, and it very very likely could, they write these papers because they're pondering doing something. Now, maybe, it's, there's, maybe the Supreme Court gets so scared now it doesn't do anything and actually come out with a new position. Or they do to stick up for the institution. It's one or the other, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have much faith in John Roberts, but let's say they actually ball her up and, and do a new decision. It's going to fall back in Arizona. It's coming right back this way fast. So now what's going to happen is the uh, libtards are going to have to actually make an argument for chopping babies' arms off yes. at eight months and three weeks into uh, gestation. Right. Uh, they're going to have to make a make a argument and sell that to the American public. And they're going to have to do it 50 times. And they won't. And it's because when you're talking about what they are, you know, the whole idea of them trying to influence these justices, right, by, you know, picketing and rioting outside their houses. Yeah. This is where I call upon the legislature to write a law that protects, if anybody tries to go outside their houses, you know, prosecute them and arrest them. And as AG, that's what I would do. And it seems like that's already on the books. It's clearly that you can't intimidate judges. Right. On, you know, that's the federal law, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but in here, this is where. But know. what's going to happen with if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, which it should, right? And I'm not even talking about abortion. Okay, right. I'm just talking about Roe v. Wade. A decision, dumb yes. piece of law. Right. You know, a dumb piece of uh, a dumb ruling. Yes, an overreach, a mistake. Right. And then you got John Roberts saying, "Well, we don't want to second guess the Supreme Court." I'm like, "Yeah, actually, it's okay to do that if you got it wrong." I, 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 he's another one of those like well, this is the way we do it it's, it's not the way i would do it right you know what i mean he's he's letting the tail wag the dog right 
So my question to you is, Roe v. Wade gets overturned in 18 months and you're elected. It's going to kind of be sitting in your lap as the attorney general, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be overturned in the next 30 days. I think the decision You think so? Yeah, it's going to come out. And I think the institution, the Supreme Court, I think this has strengthened their resolve. You know, they're and they're oh, like you can't intimidate us. Yes, and I think they will overturn it. And uh, Arizona just signed into law. Doug Ducey just uh, signed it back in March, but it was banned abortion after 15 weeks. So this is one of these. Uh, so we've got snap laws and trigger laws. Trigger and stuff. laws this right. is a trigger. Right. Snaps are the ones that existed. Nothing's changed. Roe v. Overruled. Roe right. v. Goes away. They snap back to that. Right. Tr- trigger. Is trigger is. In the, in the event of Roe v. Wade overturning, here's what yeah. our situation Well, the be. trigger law in Arizona, actually, that people keep mentioning, it would eliminate abortion completely, uh, which is on the books, but I don't think it's enforceable because there's a thing called the rule of, I don't want to bore your listeners, but it's the rule of lenity. And it's uh, basically saying it's been so long that nobody knows of it that it basically becomes useless, right? Right. So, so it's, it, it's outdated. We it, have to it, reset it, that. It was done prior, I think, before we were statehood, actually. So it okay. is that old. So when they right. try to say, oh, this trigger, I don't think that's the case. And the 15-week that Ducey just did, I mean, if you actually look at it, in Arizona, we had 13,000 abortions committed last year. 12,400 of them were done prior to 15 weeks. So the 15 week, you know, uh, after 15 weeks was about 600. It's a very small number. It is. And generally, there's always an exception towards, you know, the the, the health of the, the mother. Right. Um, and we have to understand the radical left, their argument is they want abortion on demand without any restrictions. Right. And if you look at it, progressive Europe, Europe bans abortion after 12 weeks. Right. So we're we're on line we're in line actually with, with North, China China North Korea right no I I you know what's fascinating to me is if you talk about this subject and I, I think it's you know it's challenging for us as conservatives because there are so many conservative Christians that are in you know our side of the political spectrum mm-hmm. and they're very kind of militant about their perspective on it do you mind if I ask what your religion is Right, so actually, my my father was Muslim and my mom was Druze. I don't know if you know what the Druze are. I don't know what Druze are. It's like are, a small ethno-religious group, actually. But they're not like the uh, Assyrian Christians. No, those ones are in Iraq. Those they, are the Iraqis. Yeah, yeah. The, the Assyrians were Assyrians, Iraqis. Yeah. And, then, and for those of you who are listening, not Syrians, Assyrian. Assyrian. Yeah, they're, the Middle East is so fast. There's so many religious groups. Oh, yeah. I'm part Kurdish, actually. And then there's uh, the Chaldeans in Iraq. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, Chaldean Christians, yeah, for sure. There, there's so, a lot. Uh, did, you, did you guys practice anything as you were? Uh, not really. I mean, I haven't I haven't been practicing, and you know, I don't practice. But I mean, I'm, I go to church occasionally, actually. So I go to church with my friends, and, and we celebrate christmas and easter and all that holidays all right so you've kind of adopted the kind of rituals of your of your adopted country yeah i mean your country but your parents adopted country right basically i mean you know we we still have i mean i'm a big history nerd i i read a lot of you know tim Keller. i got a big bible actually on my coffee table it's from 1875 it's a big family bible actually it's a 150 years old it's like 15 pounds but you know i i've always been i've been to i've been blessed i've been to jerusalem i've been to istanbul the vatican right i think saudi arabia wasn't there i think there's uh the world is such a fascinating place and i've always been trying to be a student of history yeah I loved uh, my time in the Middle East. I loved my time in Israel and yeah. going to Istanbul and going yeah. to Hagia Sophia and just getting around and actually kind of barefooted touching the ground yeah. where all this stuff kind of came to life. Um, I'm just curious how it informs you and how inform you know what your kind of 
formational thinking is, sure. you know, because when we look at the, you know, and I'm a conservative and I tell people, hey, listen, I'm not at one or the other. It's not a, you know, abortion is not a binary topic for me. Right. It's a very challenging topic. And it's why it's such a challenging conversation in our yeah. country. And it's getting foisted upon us right now. Yeah. But these are the arguments we should have been having for the last 50 years. Yeah. So that we see 50 different states right. struggling for solution, having the argument, and starting to mimic the best solutions, right? Right. Because that's the beauty of this republic. Right. In, uh, my, in my personal life, I, you know, I, I use the Ten Commandments. You know, I think that's a pretty good start. I mean, it's very, it's, I think if we use the Ten Commandments for you know, an entire society, we'd be a yeah. lot better off. But, you know, looking at the Constitution, like that's our ultimate, you know, thing that we swear our oath on, you know. And yeah. it's, uh, you're right, though. It, it's, it, it, I, I get why people are so divided on this issue. I mean, sure. if, if, you know, if I'm a pro-life, you're pro-life, it seems, and, you know, how could you justify a murder in, 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 in some ways? And, you know, it, it's it's really fast. I just saw um, this woman running for Senate in Pennsylvania, actually. She was talking about she was the she product, was the product of a rape. rape. Yeah, yeah I, I watched that, too. That was very powerful. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's, it, it's com you're right, it is complicated. You know, what we see across the country is you'll see a Democrat will say, um, what are your feelings on abortion? And people will say, well, I'm against abortion. And they go, what about in the cases of rape and incest? Right. Or the woman's health? And then, then people are like, well, right. okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got some room to have a discussion about right. that. Well, it's yes or no. Well, so, okay, well, in those cases, I'm probably, you know, okay with it. I'm pro. And so you have this very caged question that loads a false narrative right. that 70% of America's pro-abortion. Right. It's not really true. Exactly. I think 70% of America has space in their moral file cabinet right. for it to happen on very, very specific instances yeah. and very early. And then what's really clear is about 70% of America is completely against it as viability transforms. Oh, yes. as, as you leave lump of cells and it's and they say lump of cells um but as it start as you get viability right uh, the heartbeat one is about eight weeks nine weeks i think that's um generally you know the case but you're right and this is where i say our messaging needs to be on what they want and what the radical left wants is no restrictions on abortion when you see this thing that schumer put up with if you see the tools have you seen the tools it's awful it's unbelievable like if you look it'll it's it'll haunt you i mean have these, you, these scissors that uh, go up to chop off the, the arms of eight and a half month old babies yank it out but did you watch that got remember goslin this was in philadelphia actually an abortion doctor was prosecuted because he was killing you know these babies after they were actually alive after the after they performed after it, the procedure and they would go in and cut the spinal cord and he was actually in prison right now, but this is where you know, it's murder. And I think that's where you're talking about the seventy percent. Um, you know, the number. It, it's true. Americans, if they get the evidence presented in front of them, which right. it's going to be on full display very soon. And think about Roe v. Wade when it was done versus now. The amount of technology has changed. Well, the ability to get the pictures out as long as they're not all edited and suppressed by the social <laughs> media companies, right? Well, Elon Musk just saved Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got some other big ones. We need help with Google. Right. And we need help with Google. We need help with YouTube. And we need help with, uh, you know, well, Facebook's kind of a dying entity. Right. So um, uh, talk to me about any other, like, things you're going to dive into. Election integrity, of course. This uh, abortion thing's going to end up back in your lap. I mean, it's really weird. You're a young guy. 
running for this office, and this wouldn't have been a topic six weeks ago, and right. it is a prime topic now. Right. You know, um, it's going to end up before you if you get elected. Sure, and I think that my biggest benefit for running is I haven't sat behind a desk my whole career. You know, some of these other candidates, you know, that they'd make great law professors or they make great scholars. But we need, what we need right now is a fighter. And I tell folks, I want an attorney general that's less attorney and more general. So I think, you know, we got to we got to start taking this fight, you know, head on. And, you know, the culture I bring into the office where it's going to be very aggressive and we're going to, you know, the, the, the legal system, it's it's slow. And that's why it took two years for us to finally, you know, say that the mask mandates are unconstitutional. You know, that's where it requires somebody here. I was waiting. I mean, you saw Doug Ducey. He was shutting down church, schools and churches and small businesses. I mean, they were shutting down a cafe in Wickenburg. All, all he had to do is say no at any point. That's all you had to do. And that's all our legislature had to do. I know. And Nobody had the courage. Uh, we, we, you know, DeSantis was having the courage. Right. And we had some, we had a guy kind of following suit a little bit. Right. I've said all, and you, and you know, I saw, I know you saw it with Trump. If, if you like Trump and you're a Trump supporter, you saw him getting swallowed up by the big machine. Yeah. And you just saw the look on his face where he was kind of emasculated by the process. <laughs> you can't be the one saying... The economy matters more than grandma and grandpa. Right. Well, and, that, and that's not the case. I mean, the case is that it was a 0.002% mortality rate. But, I mean, Trump's biggest mistake was not firing Dr. Fauci. Right. And he should have done that from the very beginning since that radical wanted to two weeks to slow the spread. Which is right. The biggest hoax. Crazy. Yeah. And, and it turned into two years, essentially, on this tyranny yeah. that we've tolerated. And think about this. You know, I'm a believer that there disease and viruses exist, but perhaps next time it might have a 5% mortality, which is bad. Yeah. People like us are not going to take the government seriously anymore because what they've done, they've ruined they've their, discredited they've themselves. They've totally discredited themselves. Let's talk about, for maybe our wrap-up, our last thing we'll chat about because I'm sure you have tons of things you need to go do. I want to talk about culture. Uh, you've talked a little bit how we're at war. There's a cultural war going on. Absolutely. And uh, what a lot of people who are busy living their lives, who maybe haven't spent time swimming around in intellectual circles, don't understand a lot of times is that culture are the threads that bind us all together. And culture is what allows us. It's the firm ground upon which we reject aberrant behavior and move our group of people forward in time. Right. It's, our, it's the highway of our collective experience, our right. culture. One of the things you can do to destroy a people is destroy them from their historical culture that got them where they are. That's right. Um, it's how you suppress a people. It's how you take over a people. It's how you uh, integrate a people. It's the Romans were good at it. It's how you make them. It's how you spread the spread the Roman Empire. The British did it as well. British schools in English drive on the left side of the road. Follow our procedures mm. now they're all doing parliamentary and they think in a very english way and they're very good allies yeah we uh are you familiar with thomas Sowell? yes he has done amazing research and thinking on race in america mm -hmm. and he's you know why do we have certain groups of african immigrants to this country who have survived slavery and consistently come here and thrive and do really really well and they confront Every day's day-to-day bias, prejudice, and slavery that supposedly exists for everyone else too. Right. Why do they do so well? 
and your slave surviving African Americans in the United States have have fared less well. Right. And he did a fascinating study of the hundred years following the Civil War, and how there was higher marriage and literacy rates amongst black Americans than than amongst white Americans. They were more literate because they valued school more. They were more married because they valued family more. Yeah. And then with the rise of the welfare state, um, they had their culture kind of stolen from them and adopted Southern hillbilly culture. Yeah. He makes this big argument. And it's, I'm doing it an injustice, just oh. briefing like this. Yeah. But you wonder what happened, you know, how did you have such high literacy rates, such high engagement rates? Um, you had the communities that made Martin Luther King and they right. made Malcolm X. Remember, and they, they used to wear suits, right? Yes. They, they were like very proud of and you're so right where it's they want the government you want to be dependent on the government and now that's not just in the african-american community it's spreading all over and so what we're seeing is the stealing of our culture right and so you know malcolm x wrote that it was an intentional move of the modern white liberal to keep african descendants down in america yeah. now there are college courses taught on malcolm x and his thinking and where he got this from but it's not bullshit there's something to it. It may not be all right. Nobody's all right. Right. But there's something to it. Because why is it two people who look exactly the same, one cries they can't get anywhere because of racism, and the other one thrives and owns three restaurants? And he makes an interesting point about that, and he does it with economics, right. which I like because it peels back all of the human foibles. And the emotions. Yeah, yeah. So we see that going on, and then what we see is a, uh, a, a stealing of our culture that's going on from kindergarten on. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I also, if I were attorney general, if I were running for attorney general, it is a long game battle. Yeah. So I'm always thinking about knife fighting. And I'm thinking about pistol fighting and rifle fighting and artillery fighting. Mm. And the artillery that you've got is to get involved in that battle at K through 8 yep. and start finding ways to prosecute or start interpreting the law in a way that starts to jam up our state. As conservatives, we've abdicated the schools yep. to mommies and leftists. And we need to be, men need to be back in schools. And the law needs to be there. Right. And representatives need to be walking through schools and meeting with people. Right. And I wouldn't discount the mama bears right now. The mama bears are, are on Mama our bears side. are super powerful. Yeah. And if you're looking at But on a whole, they're much more left than the rest of culture. <laughs> well, they they they're taking it back. That's what one in Virginia. Yeah. yeah. It's because they're going after children, like what we mentioned right. earlier. And it's it, this isn't new. We always have to be constantly vigilant. Here in Arizona, do you remember that in Tucson, they had Chicano studies down there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I don't know if you remember yeah, that. Yeah, that it, was maybe maybe five or ten years ago. It was ago. ten years ago, yeah. yeah. And it was, uh, you know, and it, it was actually the AG at the time who went in there. And, and stopped that. And stopped, and they said, we're going to withhold funding if you do this. But you know what they do? The left, they changed the name. Now it's critical race theory. And believe me, now critical race theory is on the forefront. What are they changing it to now? Social emotional learning, right? Something right. that sounds less scary. So this is where the AG has to be constantly. This vigilant. is whack a mole that I was talking exactly. about. Exactly whack a mole, but it also requires. That's why you know I'm younger, but I've got the energy and I've got I know what the their long game is. Right, and that's why I tell folks I'm committed to be AG for eight years. I think the AG is one of the most powerful roles in Arizona. I mean, we yeah, have, I think so too. We have 450 attorneys. We have 600 staff. It's I mean, being a senator, God bless you, but you're going to be in D.C. hanging out with Ilhan Omar and Nancy Pelosi and going on Fox News occasionally. In Arizona, we have the ability 
to go in and actually disrupt it and make Arizona the best state. And we're going to go and fix a lot of these school boards with a good superintendent, and we're going to elect good school board members. Well, and, and look, I want to start prosecuting people who are doing this. Right. Like, what could we do? Well, how could you inter- – even if it gets challenged at the state Supreme Court, if if school board members who are letting this stuff happen on their watch or are pro – if they all of a sudden start needing to hire attorneys to keep themselves out of prison, they'll start being careful. You know what I mean? You you watch somebody get slapped for sassing somebody, right. you start thinking about what you say. Exactly. And I think it would be one of the most powerful things that our elected legal, you know, highest legal position in Arizona could do is flex some muscle. We need people afraid of consequences. Exactly. There needs to be consequences for their actions. And I think that's what we're missing. When you talk about accountability, I love that. And I'm going to use that on the campaign trail. So I'm stealing it from you, Craig. But I think that's what we're missing so much. It's the core. Everything in America works. Yeah. Everything in America doesn't work if there's without, if there's no accountability. And we've built the greatest country. I mean, these these men in the 1700s, right? I mean, Thomas Jefferson, George, all of them. I mean, it's divine providence how they all were alive at the same time and built this nation. And they're destroying it so quickly and turning it into something that's not. And when you talk about, you know, immigrants, I mean, I'm the son of immigrants, right? I mean, I was born here. I'm the grandson of immigrants with dark skin and curly black hair. (laughs) I mean, I am. And you see what is happening. It's we know what's at stake. We know that if we lose America, there is nowhere else to run. Right. And the left has no, they have no, we've been around the world. You know, that's why, you know, it's been really fun talking to you. It's because we know how the rest of the world operates. Yeah, you can enjoy some of the, you know, the things over there, but what makes America different? It's not about, you know, living comfortably. It's about being free. Because you can still be wealthy in a tyrannical government. You can still be wealthy and live a decent life. But that's not the purpose of being an of a, being no. American. Being an American is we we're, we're destined to choose our own destiny, and we're slowly losing that. And I think COVID has been one of the most shocking things to see. You know these 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 mask wearers. They still wear it for you know. And they, they, I see it. I want to punch people in the uh, face now. I'm they, hostile. They about wear it, it in the convertibles with the gloves. I mean, it's so it's so bizarre. And I think we've ruined that risk taking. You know, yeah. that's what immigrants are so good in this country. Yeah. They had that risk and they took they took that risk leaving everything behind. I look at my parents I'm like, my God. It's a baller move. Yeah, baller move. It's a baller move. And that's where, you know, I think us, we we can relate to. I mean, look at you starting your own business. I mean, that that is an entrepreneurial spirit that's ingrained in so many immigrants, right? And it's just taking that risk to say, I don't want a boss. I'm gonna start from nothing and let's see what happens. You know, it's funny, I think you know, you the people like old westerns. The genre exists yeah. because people romantically think about the lone wolf mm-hmm. who exacts justice, yeah. cuts their own way in the world, uh, and all of the risk that is there and how big the risk was. It was risk and reward, right? Right. And I find uh, that exists today. Now, they're not giving out free land in Kansas you know, to get you to go westward for the westward expansion. Right. But I feel like you could start a business in almost anything right now, and if you're good, you can get ahead and have this crazy American dream, and you can't do that many places. No. And there's a reason why when you poll however many countries there are now around the world, they, they poll everybody, poll everywhere. You take the next 10 or 20 countries combined and they don't add up to the amount of people who want to immigrate to, you say, if you could leave your country, where would you go? The yeah. number one answer 
is United, United States. States. It's over and over and over again. And it's not all white Christian people. It's mostly not white <laughs> Christian people. <laughs> it's a recipe for success. I mean, right. my, my... It's self-determinism. Exactly. It's John Locke. It's Montesquieu. It's Hume. It's that whole idea of I am the master of my destiny. I love it. And that's where... You know, my brother is a successful real estate investor in town. And my sister, you know, she married an NBA player, you know, Jeff Pendergraft at ASU. And it's, I talked to my parents, like they could, we were on food stamps at one point, Craig, like we we're in Chicago. I mean, we, we had nothing. And for us to build this American dream, here I am talking about risk. I'm running for the highest attorney general position in the state of Arizona, right? I mean, that, that is a risk on its own. I've got the board of supervisors after me. I've got the media after me. I got George Soros labeling as being one of the most dangerous candidates running for office. That's the risk. And I'm willing to take it on. And, you know, that's where we have that fighting spirit that, that Americans, we have it ingrained in us. And I think the, what you're talking about the culture, they're trying to destroy that. They want us to be complacent and compliant. And that's what we saw so much in the last few years. Well, they're trying to steal our culture, and the uh, and we come from a culture, and we always have to be clear, and we have to say it out loud. We come from a culture that believes in fighting and arguing. Yeah. And the point is, can I move your needle with the merits of my thoughts? Exactly. And can you move, or can you move my needle? And if you can move my needle with the merits of thoughts and pointing to outcomes and experience, you know, we have to connect the intellect to the outcome. Right. And we're decoupled right now. We're stuck in intellectual heady spaces, masturbating, printing more money, and fucking up the greatest experience, the greatest human experiment that's ever existed. And I want any attorney general who goes to bat with my vote, I want them poking everybody in the eye and kicking them in the balls for accountability because it's the accountability office. Yeah. It's the office of accountability. If I were you, I would take... Arizona State Attorney General off the office the day you move in and all those lawyers see you there and I would put up a thing that says the office of accountability. Yeah. The buck stops here and love it. who are we going to hammer? Because we have got to infuse this republic dies or survives on accountability. If teachers were accountable, unions wouldn't matter. Unions protect them from accountability. It's everything so i hope that you go there and i hope you have the battle for k through eight because we can't show up after college and start having the argument because yeah. we've already lost the fight the war has been lost there's a war to win yeah instead of all these battles yes we battle over this little bullshit and we battle over this and we battle over that the reason we're having all these battles is because there are a million little there are a million little forest fires that start because we're not Republicans want to run companies. We want to do real things. We want to change the world. And while we're doing that, small people are propagandizing our children. Yep. And I notice it. I don't remember that thing a couple months ago. There was a high school that had a bunch of violence and like 20 dads, you know, all, all minority, bunch of black, big black dads walked through and shut that shit down. And the school went back to normal. Good. This was in the news like, I don't know, maybe a month ago, maybe two months ago. Guys, we need to be involved. Attorney generals, they need to walk, attorneys general need to walk through schools. They need to meet with principals. Yeah. Like, it's the beginning of the democratic experience is, to, is everybody knowing people are looking and that clarity. We don't have any clarity. They're hiding behind bulletproof glass and you can't get meetings with them and they want to Zoom with you. They don't like what's going on. They just, oh, it's having, having a connection problem. Yeah. They hang up. Right. While they're sitting there in their underwear with their, <laughs> with their T-shirt on. 
Um, I, I hope if you get elected to the office, I hope you remember the work is not in the office. Yep. It is out here pushing people and holding people accountable and watching them and meeting them and shooting them and saying, hey, we're going to be looking into what's going on. We want to make sure these schools are squared away. Absolutely. Having them go, oh, shit, the sta state attorney general just said that to me. That should spook your average person. Yeah. Good. Well, when I'm elected, just watch me. And what you talk about, the whack-a-mole we're going to dump some lighter fluid in there and set it on a fire. That's what we're going to do. We're not just going to be playing by their rules anymore. So, All right. And, you know, too often I travel the state of Arizona and they say, you know, the politicians forget about us once they're in Maricopa County. That's not how I operate. That's why I'm so focused on Pima County, too. I mean, Pima County, sometimes they become the best Republicans because they're ruled by a bunch of communists down there. And that's where we're going to start. There has to be, we have to make examples of some people so that the rest can learn. Yes. And that the rule of law, you know, nobody's above the law. Yeah, and like, look, I don't want us arbitrarily going after people. I don't want the Politburo throwing people in gulags. I don't want anything like that. No. I want the people that we're all watching break the rules, especially the ruling class. That's what they do. Pima County Board of Supervisors, do you remember, the, you know, Ducey's executive order, we didn't like, but he actually had it where, you know, you can't force masks. You know what they did down there? They actually said that, you know, you have to force the masks, and Ducey and Brnovich did nothing about it. And they're openly defying the law. You know, I don't remember the last time Southern Arizona seceded from the rest of the state. And this is where it requires an AG to go in there and threaten to withhold funding, go after the Board of Supervisors if you need to. Yeah. You know, when they were, they were openly defying the subpoenas. Remember that? Yeah, election, unbelievable. Election audit. Where was everybody? Well, I got an idea. You send, you send people out and you handcuff the supervisors. <laughs> you, I mean, you can do that. You arrest them. Yeah, and I think right now we're calling for the state legislature to update their laws and that's what i've been working with these new candidates who are going to be the new legislator because they're the ag's office enforces the law but yeah. we need good laws to enforce sure. so the state legislature has actually i'm calling upon them to enforce the ag's office to go in and actually take over some of these criminal cases that say pima county or maybe maricopa county refused to prosecute right i mean they just did this last year with those smash and grabs you remember all those smash and grabs that go in yeah and so often what's happening is they weren't prosecuting these these low-level crimes. But low-level crimes turn into bigger crimes. Sure and that's where the AG's office now has much more of an ability to go in. And we need to increase it because these George Soros radical prosecutors, they're trying to create Gotham City right now. We got to fight back. I think one of the, you know, and I, and I think one of the traits, um, I watched the, uh, I don't know, did you see the trial of Eddie Gallagher? Did you watch that? He was the Navy. He was the Navy SEAL. I did not watch it. But. There was kind of a cultural clash going on in the Navy SEAL community between the old guys who'd been on 10 or 12 deployments and these new guys who were semi-wokety-woke showing up. There's a cultural clash within the, within the community. And so you see a guy who gets stuck in towards the end of the war after he's been on 10 or 12 deployments. And at the end of the war, he got a bunch of new kids he's in charge of. He's kind of strict and he's a little bit punitive, corporeal in how he runs his platoon and uh and they're giving this observe mission and he's been on snatch and grab running and gunning missions for the last 15 years and they put him on an observe mission and the only thing you can do is if you get attacked you can react so he goes okay let's go observe really closely so they attack us all the time so we can do our job and fucking kill bad guys i think it requires that kind of baller attitude at the attorney general's level where you're like look I may get my pee pee smack for this, but no one's going to kick me out of office. Let's stretch this law to put this pressure there yeah. and let's start jamming people up because jamming people up is enough. When your average citizen gets jammed up by the government, it's spooky. And 
the folks who are breaking the rules, and you've already talked about all these rules they're breaking. Mm. You know, they're not teaching American history, right? And that's happening. It's not happening in one school. It's happening in all of them. It's an, it, they're colluding to do it. It's organized. It's a conspiracy. How do you break it? And it's going after some of the key players and making people afraid of doing these pacts. The news is going after them. If the case gets thrown out six months later, hardly anybody hears about it. They go, God, man, I'm just going to teach history. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble for that. There's, there's. That's right. the pressure. I would be going in there like a. I, you know, I'd be like saying, let's stop this yeah. lunacy. Just like you talked about um, your friend, you know, who had that job, who just waited out with the COVID, right? Yeah, Because yeah, they, yeah. they said they would fire you. Yeah, and you're right. You know, just waited out, and that's where you're, you're. That's where I talk about we're going on offense this November. Good, because. I'm sick and tired of the old establishment. They're the ones who got us into this mess. They're not going to be the ones who get us out of it. And this requires a new generation of leadership, a new way of thinking, and some aggression. So when I take office January, I think we're gonna we're gonna surprise some people. But... Talk to me a little bit about your campaign. Um, I noticed that you uh, raised somewhere around 1.2 million, which is kind of close to the highest. Uh, you've got somebody else who's raised some good money too. Yeah. I, uh, that some campaign election finance thing that was released that I kind of looked at. Um, how are you talk to me a little bit about the funding you're obviously you know like if i decide to go run for governor i'm going to show up with a 10 million dollar check to get my campaign going right how how, how are you doing this well, luckily my family's been successful too so right. my my brother contribute a lot and uh but i've also been raising good money on my own for supporters we actually have cash patel and rick Grinnell. so i've been endorsed by trump's director of national intelligence rick Grinnell. Yep. and cash patel was a great guy on the russia gate collusion so they're actually coming next monday to um scottsdale actually would love to have you there too if you if you'd like and they're you know fundraiser so you know we're we're, we're getting money and we're i think we're going to surprise people we've got endorsed by freedom works you know one of those um old conservative tea party movement groups and so we're getting a lot of good endorsements and i think more are coming for sure so we have trump's whole national security team basically endorsed me you got um his national security advisor robert o'brien his secretary of defense chris miller i mean these are pretty high level folks yeah how do you, how are you translating that into traction in polls statewide the poll i mean we're i think we're going to be surprising a lot of people and this is where you know we've traveled i've put 15 16,000 miles on my vehicle i've go to rural arizona everywhere and i think you know people are hearing about me and we're gonna we're gonna shock the hell out of the establishment come this august have have you gone any any of the native tribes? Um, not yet. All right, all right. Well, I'm looking forward to see how everything's pl everything plays out. I hope once you get elected, we get a chance to come back and talk a little bit. I'd love to. You know, I find the tr the transformation of human beings who go through this process fascinating. Going from uh, idealism to campaigner to leading to mm -hmm. winning. Um, I like seeing what they, how they sound after they win sure. or lose. Um, I like to, I like to see the transformation of the human. Yeah. And then if you become the attorney general, I'd like to have you in and talk to you a little bit about, you know, what's different. What's this, you know, what, what, what what's the curveball you didn't expect? Oh yeah. And, uh, and how's it going? Oh, uh, so absolutely. would love it. You know, we're going to get some knives too. And I'm attorney general, have our logo on it, which would be fun as well. Awesome. But you know, when you're talking about, I got involved in politics, you know, Ron Paul 2007, you know, I've yeah. been pretty consistent in my beliefs and it's I, very similar to you. It seems like when we're Thomas Sowell, Nelson Friedman. Yeah. And this is where, you know, 
I think people genuinely see the authenticity. And, you know, if, if you support election integrity, border security, I, I encourage your listeners to go to my website, abeforag.com, abeforag.com. And, uh, you know, let's go after it and let's, let's, and that's a B E F O R. AG.com. I think I might. I think I bought the number four one too. I was pretty smart. Yeah, so. <laughs> I try to get everything that I do. I'm like, all right, give me the twelve misspellings right. as well. I got AG and AZ. I don't. I got a lot of them, but they'll they'll be able to find me. Abeforag.com is the good website. And so for those of you who are, uh, hey, listen, really, thanks for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. For those of you who are sitting out there watching this, and you're in Des Moines or you're in uh, uh, you're in Northern California up in Marin County, let's say you're a Republican who has your Trump flag in your basement in Marin County because you don't want your neighbors to know you're actually an American. Um, what I would suggest you do is get involved in some of these places and states where you can make a difference. Because if you give money uh, in places like Marin County, um, you're not probably going to get a Republican in. You're not going to you're not going to get these uh, red, white, and blue Americans in. A little goes a long way. You can nudge around. Uh, you can nudge around the country. A good hunk of this country, two thirds of it, is still good America. One third of it has its head cleanly up its ass. And you know, one of the things you can do, and I think every one of us should personally have this short game and long game plan going on in your life. If you're politically aware and you want to make a difference. You donate a little bit, uh, you donate uh, locally, you donate nationally, and you donate in places where you can push. Um, I've got enough, I've had it up to here with Californians coming here and curing ballots at 2 o'clock in the morning. I've had it up to here with buses of people coming here and manning our elections while people like me get told we don't need staffing. I want Arizonans running Arizona elections. I don't want any Californians here running elections. But if you're stuck up in Marin County or you're in uh, Suffolk County or you're up in uh, New York in White Plains and you wish your money made a difference and so you kind of stay out of the fray because you don't want your neighbors to hate you, send a little money down here where it makes a difference because every attorney general, every congressman out of a, out of a moderate state that starts pushing it gives room and emboldens the leaders in your community who may be hiding a little bit. They've got their sign in the basement. It gives them some room to move to the right. Think about what Ron DeSantis Abbott has done and uh, Noam. Them pushing as governors, has given governors around the country a little room to shift because anybody goes crazy in their state, they go, geez, man, I just did a little move. The governor of Florida, he made a baller move. I did a little move. Shut up. And it gives people the chance. It gives them some wiggle room. It gives them a little bit of shade. Thanks for joining us on the Greg Medford Show. I'm your host, and I'm out.